coming live from new york usa is our guest this evening and before that may i wish you all a happy diwali and a very happy and prosperous diwali for outside people it's the uh, festival of lights if you know and for indians aap logo ko malum nahi hoga ki sab jagah celebrate kar rahe hain aur ye ek special show tha jo pehle se planned tha to aaj main kar raha hu aap logo ko fir se diwali ki shubhkamnaein and uh, welcome to this very special edition of the kj masterclass live the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts either through their industry insights information or simply learning from them and today we have jeremy yorwitz founder of challenger hill consulting but actually he is the creator of uh, sell like a spy and we'll be talking about how exactly one can use connect deeply by using spy tradecraft welcome to the show jeremy thank you so much for having me aj thank you thank you so uh, jeremy straight to the point what exactly is sell like a spy well sell like a spy is about the idea that spies are the world's best sales people because after all what's a harder thing to convince someone to actually buy into than to get them to commit treason and I spent a lot of time especially at the beginning of discussions with audiences with clients with executives with sales teams starting with the misconceptions about the world of espionage so it's not James Bond it's not car chases and seduction and gunfights CIA case officers which uh, is what I base these ideas off of Um, and to be clear, I've never been a case officer. I've been a corporate spy, which we can talk about. Um, but I've worked with many case officers and know this world fairly well. They are more like relationship managers than they are like James Bond. They are incredibly good at connecting with an incredibly wide range of humanity. Um, often, some very difficult people to connect with. So there are some really amazing lessons that we can bring into both our business lives, our careers, and into our everyday life. uh from this world of espionage that en- enable us to connect more deeply with targets in a in our in our careers and our sales roles and also again in our everyday life um and i have some ideas about how you can make that into what i call the virtuous circle practicing those skills and refining them for use in everyday life but to your question very specifically so like a spy is bringing elements of spy tradecraft to the business world to connect more deeply build deeper relationships and to provide some thoughts on how to overcome challenges and motivate sales teams to uh reach their targets okay okay and how do you know so much about spies and how to use the spy uh trade uh, trade secrets how do you know are you a spy have you been a spy how do you tell that to your audience Yeah so like I said I I want to be very clear because of my you know tremendous respect for intelligence professionals I have never worked for the government as a, as a spy I have worked in uh, on the corporate side um I started my career overseas I was a journalist overseas for about a decade wore um two different hats during that time I was a freelance journalist running around the world and writing stories I was based out of Prague and Shanghai 
But I also help build and run a, new, uh, a, a media association called Project Syndicate, which is uh, has relationships in India and is all over the world. And that was my first experience um, leading on the business development side. But during that year, those years overseas, I bumped against spies and the race for information and, you know, meeting diplomats who were who were spies under diplomatic cover. But it really began. And I've always been interested in reading and studying uh, spies and espionage. And then when I came back to New York, where I'm from, I started working in the field of corporate security. Um, and that's where I spent, we can spend a little time talking about this world. It's not that well known, but in that world, I worked directly with former intelligence officers and uh, we were working on a variety of different cases and types of engagements. Again, I can tell you a little bit more about that, but to your question, I worked in the trenches day to day with many different spies and I picked up on things that they uh, were able to do when it came to connecting with people, building rapport very quickly. And um, I learned so much from them in, do in doing these things. So um, I studied with them. They were happy to, to share details with me, but it also went beyond just um, former intelligence officers. I worked very closely with former law enforcement, FBI agents, military interrogators, um, elite special forces veterans. And uh, many of these people bring certain unique jewels of insight and wisdom to the business world. And I have refined all of that and put it into the Sell Like a Spy program. Okay. So those were spies. And we have, we heard that, you know, if they if you know about spies, they kill you, but you are still alive. No, that's not true. Spies don't. Uh, most of the spies that I have worked with are not assassins or anything like that. They are they are relationship managers. They are patriots. Oh. They're they're really good at their job. That and that job is uh, the business of getting people to uh, confide in you. That's essentially what the job is. Right, right. So now about the skills, the special skills that you say they are relationship managers or so relationship building skills yeah. that one can use in business, especially on the sales side. Yeah. So what are the skills that people can learn from? such spice uh, in sure. terms of relationship building and specifically if we talk about the sales side because you are the creator of sell like a spy so both sure. the things first about the sales side and then in the for everyday life everybody may not be this uh, on the sales side but from where somebody can take away something for themselves Absolutely. Thanks for that question. So um, some of this, some of the skills that I that I train clients in include the skill of elicitation, which is a subtle way to extract information. Um, it's not nefarious. It's not a dark art or anything. It is a way to ask questions or to, you know, frame a certain um, sentence to elicit the information that can be helpful for you as a salesperson. Because if you start peppering somebody with one question after another, they get a little suspicious. So elicitation offers us a chance to collect information in a more subtle way. I train clients in mirroring, which is the physical replication of uh, a person's behavior. Um, we also get into verbal mirroring, which is a very important skill with the FBI when it comes to hostage negotiation. And these are skills that um, behavioral science has shown help um, shortcut the rapport building process. So learning these skills and learning how the human mind works will enable you to connect with sales targets more uh, specifically. Um, pushing on, I, I, uh, I help people understand why active listening is such a difficult practice to, um, to, to, to work on, and I help them build their active listening practice. Um, so I work on a number of things there. We also get into um, deception detection, 
negotiation, how to diffuse, um, you know, emotional encounters. Those are things that come both from the CIA and the FBI. And then there's some fun parts of the program. I have an area called Use Your Superpowers, where I help people understand how to follow their passion to find sales success and network better and break the ice. And then finally, another fun one is um, on how to use disguises. Um, I'm not telling salespeople to put on disguises, but I'm using analogies about the world of disguise to bring out the best sides of yourself to meet the moment. So people always find that a lot of fun as well. And then as for your question in terms of everyday life, I'm glad you asked that because I'm, I'm really passionate about that. My, my belief is that whether you're a quota carrying sales professional or not, everybody is looking to connect more deeply with people in their lives. They're looking to be understood better by the people in their lives. They're looking to connect more deeply. So um, I call it the virtuous circle because many of the skills I just mentioned, mirroring, elicitation, they're subtle skills. And the more that you practice them in your everyday life, the more comfortable you'll feel when you bring them into the more high stakes business sales environment. But in practicing in them in your everyday life or with your colleagues or something like this, you'll forge deeper relationships. So you have the benefit of practice practicing these skills to use them in your career, but also growing your relationships in everyday life. And if you're not a salesperson, man, I, I speak to people, whether it's executives or people, you know, just looking to connect more deeply, there's room for sell like a spy in the everyday life. Right, right. You see, there people are all, a lot of sales people are always under pressure to sell, to make the sale because they have their targets to meet. Now, how do they choose their targets? What can they learn from a spy? And how can they connect with the target in the right manner? Most of the time, spies uh, try to get information. Here, if you get information from your sales target, then you will make a sale. You will be better able to communicate. How does one do that? Uh, learning from the spy trade. Sure. Well, there's many different ways. Um, obviously, you'll have to take the program to uh, learn everything. But what I can tell you is one interesting uh, part of it that I'll give you a brief description of. There's a spy skill known as spotting. And spotting is one of the ways that case officers, um, CIA case officers, use to identify a potential target they would like to recruit. And one of the things that is very popular that I teach is how to network like a spy. So um, what I talk about is that um, maybe you've been to a business cocktail reception, you walk into a room, there's 50, 100 people, and you don't know any of them. So what do you do? You know, what, I, what I've done many times is I, I go to the, the bar directly, I get a drink, and I start talking to whoever comes my way. And that's fine. But a spy is going to act a little bit differently. A spy is going to case the room out. Um, and I won't go into as much detail about um, the methodology of what they do, but spies are going to be looking at um, people's appearance, people's affiliation, who they're talking to, their body language, and a variety of factors. They'll make their way around the room before they make any approach and they decide to talk to somebody. Um, so that's the spy skill known as spotting. And the final point I'll, I'll mention in that and that I train people on, it's kind of a it flips the cliche of you can't judge a book by its cover. I say you can judge a book by its cover. Many people, most people advertise how they want the world to see them by how they dress, by their hairstyle, their facial hair, all these different things. And we as sales professionals looking to figure out who to talk to and how to approach them 
should trust our instincts. Uh, we should be ready to be contradicted because people are contradictory and humans are complex. But you should trust your instincts in figuring out who you might have a rapport with and how you might approach them. So those are some of the ideas that I train and teach on. Right, right. But a lot of connections today, uh, Jeremy, happens online. And even offline, like a spy, you can, you know, take, uh, take uh, any other cover. You can. But in, in, in real life, if somebody else does it, then he'll be called a fraud. So how does he still manage to, you know, put his best foot forward? And also, how does one connect, use the spy method? Because nowadays also spy use a lot of online tools. A lot of tools are there. I would not go on the other sophisticated tools, then it will become controversial. But how does a normal salesperson or a general person utilize those same tools that are very much publicly available and use it for the benefit just like any other spy would perhaps be doing in today's time. Yeah, that's a good question. And, and look, it, it, there's no doubt that it's harder to connect online than it is with somebody in person. When we're in person, there's all sorts of very um, atavastic, you know, uh, instinctual sides of, of human behavior that come into play that spies have learned to refine and leverage over, you know, decades or even centuries. When it comes to online, it's a different challenge and the skills are a lot more um, difficult to utilize to really connect with people. You know, some of them are fairly obvious. I don't think I'll be breaking new ground by saying you should study someone's LinkedIn profile and understand where they went to school, if they're listing any hobbies, if you have any contacts in common, if you know what an organization they worked for, all of these things are an important part of you know connecting with somebody. And it's important to remember that we're all the stars of our own little universes, okay? So all of these, these little details about ourselves are things that are very important to ourselves. So if I went to University of Kentucky and uh, there's a good chance I'm a big basketball fan because they have a big basketball program. So if I'm speaking with a sales target and that's a subject I could talk about, I might ask about that. So um, that's really important. When it comes to connecting online, um, it's critical to remember, and the FBI does a great job at this, is in using people's names. Again, there's no sweeter sound for somebody than the sound of their own name. And it's a symbol of respect. So using someone's name regularly is a good idea. Um, those are some important, important ways uh, to think about the online component. But I would say try to uh, get to somebody in person whenever you can and, and, and move into an in-person conversation, if at all possible. Right. Right, Jeremy. You see, you, you have forced a unique career at the crossroads of sales, intelligence, and international journalism. And that is where it has led to Skull Like a Spy. Uh, you know, business development lessons you give, communication strategies from the world of spionage, and you teach executive clients and conference audience how to leverage spy net tradecraft into their salesmanship. But in today's time, if you see uh, salespeople, their target is always about sales. In general, uh, everybody is a bit hesitant in real life about, you know, asking somebody to take out money or to get them to reveal information. I'm sure... Spies, even if they look so uh, so uh, strong in movies, they too have that hesitancy uh, like any other person would have. Even salespeople, they have that sort of a, a innovation to talk about 
money or sale at the last moment. How, in your opinion, what is, I see that as a weak spot, but then that is a part of human nature, whether it's a spy or it's a uh, salesperson. What, in your opinion, is the big, biggest weak spot in most salespeople's approach? Well, I mean, I think you're talking about uh, one of the reasons why sales is so challenging because people are suspicious of salespeople. It's hard to get people to part with their money. It's hard to get them to change from an entrenched competitor or try something new. Um, and that's why it's very difficult. I don't want to digress too much, but I think the biggest problem with the sales industry is an over-reliance on quota. They, they get new salespeople in. They can be sorry, in to interrupt, sorry to interrupt, Jeremy, but sales is everywhere. Even when you are going for, uh, for a job interview, there also you are making a sale. A politician who is wooing his audience, uh, his people, there also it's a sale. Of it's course. all become so organized. So I ask a question, though for salespeople, but it's in that wider context. How does one break that uh, sort of a problem, if, if you want to, uh, if we can use that word, and actually be free, free in terms of uh, asking for what we are looking for? Yeah, well, that, all right. Well, I'll, I'll try to get a little bit more specific there. I think one of the things that spies do incredibly well, and in fact, they're trained to do very early in the process, is to understand someone's motivation. And it should be no different for a salesperson and their sales target. And I think that salespeople often lose sight of that because people's motivations in the spy world might be wider and it might be a little bit more high stakes. But in the sales world, there's still different motivations. Someone could be motivated by price. They could be motivated by they were just promoted. They want to make their name and they want to establish new relationships. There's a variety of reasons why people are motivated to connect. I mentioned elicitation before, and I mentioned um, collecting information subtly. Let me give you an example of how a spy might use elicitation to collect information to understand someone's motivation without asking a direct question. So let's say that I am a, a mining consultant. That's what I'm, I'm posing as. Or excuse me, I'm, I'm at a mining conference in Jakarta, Indonesia, and I'm speaking with a mining consultant. And I I'm thinking that this person might be a good um, target for me to recruit. So I want to understand their motivation. So after they finish sharing an insight with me, I say, that is a really incredible insight. There's people that would pay a lot of money to learn that kind of uh, information on a regular basis. And then I, I'd leave it there. I don't say anything else. That person will likely respond in one of two ways. They might say, wow, I'd love to earn more money. I'd love to learn about how to earn more money uh, from sharing these insights. And if they say that, I know their motivation is about trying to make a little bit more money. If they just shrug their shoulders and say, I'm well compensated already, thank you, then I know that motivation isn't the reason that they will cooperate with me. A salesperson, a politician, someone going for a job should all be seeking to understand their counterparty's motivation. What are they looking for out of this conversation? That's one of the first things to think about. And it's one of the first ways to think a little bit differently as a salesperson when it comes to winning that sale. Right, right, Jeremy. So what sort of people come to you for uh, say, your advice engaging with you? And from that example, I'm asking you because so then people can know that even if they are not salespeople, they can approach you. So what sort of people Absolutely. come to you and who can approach you for taking your help? Absolutely. Well, uh, I like to think I'm approachable by anybody. I, I love talking about 
the world of espionage and sales, I think it's an interesting crossroads. So I'd encourage anybody to contact me on LinkedIn. Um, you know, Jeremy Hurwitz, you should be able to find me pretty easily. The website is uh, selllikeaspy.net. Uh, those are all great ways to contact me. Um, primarily, you know, especially because of the names, so like a spy sales teams uh, seem particularly interested in trying to find, a, you know, outside the box ways of connecting with sales targets and motivating their sales teams. Um, but I speak, uh, I do keynote addresses at conferences. So um, I think people find hearing about the world of espionage and relationships very interesting. So I speak to a broad range of conferences in addition to training sales teams. And then I speak also more broadly about uh, two executives. Um, in, the, in a couple of weeks, I'll be speaking to a group of CEOs about how to uh, leverage uh, spy superpowers for CEOs is what the talk, talk is called. We'll be getting a little bit more into uh, detection, deception, negotiation, uh, and some other elements of the program. So I think that the, progr the program is uh, flexible. It's nimble, depending on the audience I'm going to speak to. Uh, there's room to speak to uh, learning and development groups, HR teams, um, lunch and learn sessions for uh, companies. But I think it's a very wide application of bringing spy tradecraft into human relationships more broadly. Right, right. Now, you see, whichever trade it is, your bosses are always there. And they are on, always pushing you to do something which is beyond, uh, sometimes very difficult to do. So... Especially salespeople are always in trouble because there is always that pressure. I'm sure spies are also always under a deep sort of pressure. So can you tell something that a salesperson can learn from a spy how to deal with their bosses who are always pushing them for more and more sales? How do they do that? Should they, should they go to some different method? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that I uh, spies talk with me about is don't fall in love with the target. Um, don't, you know, don't sell yourself a story about why this is going to be the target that will be the one. I mean, you can be optimistic, you can be excited, but if you fall in love with the target, you're going to lose uh, sight of, of the negatives there. So you should be realistic about things. And, you know, uh, dealing with bosses, it really, that's the human element. And you should be practicing some of the same things I'm thinking about here. Uh, eliciting information, you know, using behavioral science to build rapport with that person. Because if you have a solid relationship with your boss, if you have mirrored their behavior verbally and physically, if you've elicited information to understand their motivation, what are their motivations as a boss? Is it solely driven on revenue? Is it respect? Is it looking for that next promotion? Whatever the case may be, understanding how to make your boss look good is something I learned in a different field very early on. And I think that that is uh, a good advice for a spy, a salesperson or anything like that. So in summary, kind of understanding motivations, you know, trying to make your boss look good, um, connecting and making sure you have that good uh, personal relationship will help you during some difficult moments, whether as a spy or a salesperson. Right, right. Talking of a spy nature, Jeremy, you yeah. see, you have worked uh, on corporate, sensitive corporate spy cases. Yes. Now, you know, understanding from you is that, uh, and I, as I said earlier on, also you don't need to divulge anything that uh, compromises anywhere about any confidentiality agreements that you have or about any sort of person. But just for the sake of understanding for our audience, is that 
even though we know why it happens, but I would like to understand for our audience who gets this espionage thing done. Why do they do it, and what sort of people generally get it done? Because it can also be done on them. So when they know it, why do you still? I'm asking you several questions at the same time yeah. so that you can answer them all at your own pace. Yeah, great. I mean, I could I could probably give a, a long lecture. I'm I'm working on a book about so like a spy. I have a, a novel I'm writing about all of these things because I think the world of corporate espionage is not uh, very well understood. And it is quietly a huge driver and a huge impactful um, catalyst on um, global business. Um, I would say, uh, you know, most of my work or majority of my work in, in corporate espionage has been in corporate investigations because the world of corporate security has everything from kidnap for ransom negotiation, physical security, executive protection, threat assessments, to the world of investigations, which I have focused on, to the world of political risk advice, where you have teams of political scientists that advise businesses on the threat of expropriation, terrorism, political risk, you know, in any country. Um, a lot of the work I've done has been in investigations, though I've worked in all of those fields. And a lot of that work has been done in financial services, where I have a little bit more of an expertise. So trying to, and trying to make your, an answer for you, create an answer that's as most specific, let's say it's a private equity firm that is going to buy a company and they oh. need, they're deciding whether to retain you know, the two or three top executives of a company, um, and they need to understand their backgrounds, whether they're going to face any reputational risk, both in acquiring this company and the legacy issues they might um, acquire with them, and whether they should retain the executive who might be a charismatic, powerful figure in the company that they're motivated to keep, but they'd like to understand if they acquire this company, what, you know, what Pandora's box might they be opening with somebody? So the, the firms that I work with, uh, we we advise those businesses on uh, the initial risks they might face. Usually we'll conduct an investigation and look at the public records and see, is there anything uh, in the criminal record that shows something? Maybe they had a, a, a driving while intoxicated charge 15 years ago. And is that a concern or was that a bad period in their life that they've gotten past? Did they go to college where they went to college? Have they lied about anything on their CV? The public records research will reveal that. And then if they want to go deeper, if they want to ascertain aspects of someone's personality and understand what they're like to work with, how they fare when they're defeated in something, we'll go through all sorts of uh, uh, procedures to understand that, including, you know, for example, if you want to understand how someone does when they're defeated, maybe we have someone go into a country club and watch that person play tennis and see what they're like on the tennis court. Are they a graceful loser? You know, do they win? Are they gracious in, in, in winning as well? Or do they smash the racket on the court and yell at somebody? That's a very interesting data point. If you're somebody that might be investing $100 million into a company and that individual, and you might see somebody as too emotionally volatile, you're going to talk to people that they worked with in their past and ask about, you know, uh, details that you'll find in the public record. What happened when this business deal went bad? You know, I'm reading something negative about the person. What can you tell me? So it's the same type of um, ideas that go into uh, government espionage, go into corporate espionage to understand an individual, their motivations, and the risk factors that they might bring from associating with them. Um, I hope that answers a couple questions. I, I could go on and on about this subject. So, Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, 
but you see uh, as i said we have to balance it from uh, uh, from both ways uh, in terms of my asking i have to see that i'm not asking too much and from your end also uh, you have to also make make sure that uh, the same perhaps goes for both of us uh, but tell us one one thing uh, jeremy is that in this sort of you know most of background checks are a norm today lot of companies are there who are doing this back uh, executive background check what they are say, saying are they walking the talk but beyond that we sometimes learn about you know uh, bugging devices and all that stuff does it happen mm, say only sometimes in rare cases which i don't know whether it will border on legal or towards the illegal side or is it a very common thing uh, but then this can also lead to top executives in trouble if it becomes a common thing and somebody else files a case in such cases how do you look at that what is your uh, experience in in such things well one thing i would point out very specifically is that i've only worked for very reputable companies that um try to operate on the highest ethical standards so um for instance i worked for a british firm a global firm and they wouldn't allow most of the uh uh protective team to be armed you you would think they have guns but almost in every case they don't they carry non-lethal weapons sometimes but in any case that they want guns they have to go through an ethics committee and it's escalated to the top of the company um other companies i've worked for that focus on specifically investigations we won't say dig through garbage you know even though that's quasi legal there are companies in the investigative side that will do things like that to find information that might be revealed in that way that's not something that i want to be associated with i also pride myself on not lying to people when i'm trying to collect information there's gray area for sure but i don't outright lie to anybody so those are important things to have an ethical standard in terms of things like bugging devices and others i haven't had a lot of experience with that what i can say to you is that um i i don't see that and i don't do that i haven't participated in anything where we're bugging a company to learn information that's illegal and i wouldn't be a part of it what i can't what i have been a part of and i'm aware of is governments trying to bug um businesses to learn about what's going on from foreign policy or mercantile you know business motivations that happens uh with regards to china quite a bit one of the big concerns okay. is cybersecurity and using you your been, phone you've been for a while quite a while stayed there in china for quite a bit i was in china for a few years yeah i was based out of shanghai as a journalist in the mid 2000s right right so uh, only in closed uh, what do you call uh, places like like a place like china where they have a bit of you know control over a lot of things but what about other countries have you ever understood that uh it's happening in other countries also sure especially absolutely right. absolutely russia is another country of concern china is the biggest one but russia is a big country of concern you know i don't know that it's happened in recent years but for many years france was very aggressive from a espionage nationalist perspective in collecting information for its state owned industries so um you know that was a concern for a while but at the moment when i speak to people in business and when when we advise people in business um with through some of the companies that i've worked for it's really china and russia are the primary companies with aggressive intelligence services that you should be concerned about bugging offices um you know hacking your phone or your computer those are real concerns in those countries 
and business travelers should take real um, steps to safeguard their information security in those places. Right, right. Now you see there is a lot of talk about Pegasus and all that stuff, which makes, uh, but then yep. it's very costly and it cannot be bought by individuals, but the services can only be bought by governments, if I understand it correctly. But yes, in, in, yes. but in terms of, say, lesser uh, models, companies which are which are doing good business, fair business, individual business, bigger companies, uh, HNIs, small businesses, startups also. But the one thing that is common in all places is competitors. And you don't know who is competing in what. You may have different product lines, your strategy might be different, or you might be also in talks of, you know, selling out. And nobody knows what price you have in mind and everybody. So that's why they say, be careful. Even in a restaurant, somebody must be listening to what you are talking about. So in such cases, a normal corporate person or a business person or an HRI, whether they are having a deal or not deal, especially if they are trying to do something bigger than that they are in terms of any new product that launch, what are the things that they can do to protect not just their information, but also themselves. How does it work? Well, I thought you were going to ask me about competitive intelligence, and I was ready to. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. That's but, when you are talking. Mostly, I meant that only competitive intelligence. Well, I, th- I was thinking about it from a more proactive sense, but I think I can answer a little bit of the, the what you were talking about too. But um, I, I got excited to talk about it too because I don't think it's done enough, and I think that there are ways to um, leverage. Uh, skill sets like myself and the, and the firms I've worked with and continue to work with to collect information that's highly ethical and that can be very valuable. So, for instance, if you commissioned me and you know a firm I work with to uh, collect competitive intelligence, we would start with public records research and provide an okay. exhaustive report and a different viewpoint than you would as as a business person from the methodology. Yeah, feel feel free to focus on that. In fact, I just did. You you. It's good you brought that up. In fact. I was trying to talk about the same thing, but perhaps in a different manner. But this is how ethically people can use, gather a lot of information and help their businesses or whatever they are doing. Absolutely. So please carry. Yeah. Yeah. So look, you might you might uh, be a, you know, a, fairly, a small, medium-sized business and think you know your competitor and your competitive landscape very well. But if you commission me and a, you know somebody I work with to um, do a competitive um, evaluation, we would start with a different methodology and a, and a clean slate of evaluating that competitive landscape. And that is valuable in itself to have a fresh set of eyes on the competitive landscape. But we would leverage that methodology and databases and experience to provide a different viewpoint. And then even more valuable, perhaps, is the human intelligence that would go into it. So there's a lot. there would be a lot of outreach to recent former executives from some of those companies to get a viewpoint on that company, their strengths and weaknesses, um, you know, nothing non-public, again, uh, operating with the highest of ethical standards, but speaking to people who used to work at a company or journalists who cover a certain space, um, you know, people who run conferences, headhunters, other people in the constellation, the mosaic of information around those competitors, you can get information to color the competitive landscape and provide details that you might not otherwise find. Speaking to customers is another good one. So commissioning me to you know, create a report and, and work on that, I think is extraordinarily valuable. And you know, companies are reluctant to spend money sometimes and they cut corners. I spend a lot of time talking to companies about the value 
of doing deeper background checks. You have a private equity firm that's going to make a hundred million dollar acquisition and I'm and they want to do just public records research on an executive. And I'm saying that's fine, but you want to learn the human side of this individual that you're going to invest so heavily in. So you're going to spend a hundred million dollars on this acquisition, but then you're going to try to avoid spending another five or ten thousand dollars to really learn about that person who's so valuable. That's really just a, not even a rounding error in the overall acquisition. So I'm sometimes a little baffled by the priorities of businesses and the um, desire to not spend money because these are highly valuable tools to collect information and make good decisions. Right. And sometimes there are ulterior motives also. Anybody might, you know, want to say, suppose somebody is a whistleblower and they want to, uh, you know, expose or find faults in their past and try to, you know, discredit them for the present. Even in business deals, it, it can happen if it, if it's a owner and they are bought and they want to remove them. It, it has happened. We have heard about people being moved out on uh, small charges or uh, by making them look big enough, something from the past that can suddenly crop up and this, this happens. So in those sure. cases, yeah, I, I, I I would it just is say there that I talk ideas. about that uh, yeah. or naming anybody or any company or any person, but you know how it is in today's world. In that case, how does one protect himself if from any ulterior sort of a competitive intelligence, if you can say that? Yeah, of course. Can... No, I'm glad that you're asking that. And I, I do want to point out that, again, uh, trying to operate from the highest ethical standards, not wanting to be associated with... Um, Certain firms, um, uh, I won't name their names, but certain firms have acted unethically, um, unearthing dirt, whether it's, like I said, digging through garbage, following people, um, breaking laws to collect information, hacking emails. I won't engage in that. None of the firms I work with engage in that. So I don't do that. In terms of protecting yourself from bad actors, you know, there's people in the cybersecurity space, which I only I don't know as much about as human intelligence, that I would encourage any business that has inf- secrets to keep or individuals to try to observe the highest standards of cybersecurity whenever possible. Um, the other sides of things, one thing I have been involved in is, you know, and this is it can be pricey for an individual. But if you're an executive and you're concerned about someone who might be wanting to physically harm you or your family or might be seeking to, you know, collect dirt or information on you that's bad we call it a reverse due diligence so an executive will hire me and a firm i work with to look at them to do a background check and we'll find things like um they listed their home on an online uh website for sale five years ago and it's been you know it didn't sell whatever happened the schematics and the details of the home are still available online so if anybody wanted to break into your house and see what the layout looks like they can see the blueprint there Um, maybe there's public information about where your kids go to school, you know? And so we work with clients on showing them all of the public records information that's out there and potentially even the human intelligence that we could gather on them. And then you can advise the client on how to take steps to better safeguard their physical and informational security after we've completed those steps. Right. Right. Jeremy. And for those of people who have just joined in and, now, we, because you have shared a lot of information, so much of the things are there, and you are a very important person for a lot of people who can engage with you. May I ask you, how uh, once again, how can people connect with you, take your services, also get a lot of free resources if they are 
there on your website. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say the first thing to do is to go to my website, which is www.selllikeaspy.net, all one word. Uh, You can contact me via the website. You can learn a lot about the program. You can see some testimonials, groups I've worked with. Um, I write regularly uh, for different publications. Uh, And I recently wrote something on intelligence uh, that you can find on on publications page there. Um, You can also reach out to me on LinkedIn um, and uh, and connect to me there. Those are the two best ways to connect with me and learn more about what I'm doing and get in touch if you'd like to work with me. Right. Right. Jeremy, thank you so much. In fact, a lot of people can learn a lot from you. You know how to sell like a spy. They can go for the kill without actually killing anybody. That's absolutely true. And, uh, and look out for the book too. I'm working on a book, and I look forward to sharing. Yeah, yeah. In fact, when can. when is that when is that coming uh, coming out? It's still at the early stages. I'm still working uh, with agents and publishers and uh, getting it moving. But um, there's a lot of interest in it, so I'm 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 excited about hopefully moving forward. I will certainly let you know, and I appreciate the interest. Yes, yes. When when that happens, I look forward to talking to you once again. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great time.